for you. It's our desire to serve you and to know you better. Lord, we come before you with worship in our hearts, with a deep desire to know you more and better every day. Lord, thank you for saving us, for transforming us, for uh, bringing us into your family, into your home. Lord, we counted a privilege this morning to be together as the body of Christ. Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit in powerful ways here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Please be seated. And it's so good to see you. We have the good, the hearty, the 4th of July people here. That's great. Everybody else is out there camping and they're going to get hit with thunderstorms because they're doing it instead of being here with us today. God bless them. We do pray for them. That's great. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? I mean, if, you're, if you agree with me, say a hearty amen. amen. If you don't, talk to me after the service. I would like to have a conversation with you. Um, you know, the Lord answers prayer, and we frequently are asked, and many of you are on the prayer chain, and you get the, the information on the things that we've been praying for, and one of the people we've been praying for, very specifically, is uh, Ryan. Ryan Haas. There you are. I was just looking for you, and I couldn't find you. Um, and, uh, and he's got a good report. Yeah, God bless you. He's going to share with you. I asked him if he would share with us a little bit. Kind of an update. It's on. It'll come on in a minute. What's that? Oh, inside. Okay. You know, sometimes life is like that, where you have a... Yep. Okay. Now, it's on and it's on. Okay. All right. So, um, I had a doctor's appointment last Thursday, and uh, it was just going over a PET scan result, and the doctor told me that... I'm in complete remission. Pretty much the... Exactly, yeah. Praise the Lord, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much the best news that I could hope for. That's that right. That he could have hoped for. Uh, really excited. Uh, pretty much celebrating with my mom now. I mean, she's in town, so... Praise the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Does your mom have a name? Uh, Sandy Scott. Okay, great. <laughs> so you can say congratulations to Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. God bless you. And then also you can say hello to, to Sandy when you have the opportunity to do so. But I think it's appropriate for us to just thank the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. Every time we receive a blessing from you in some significant way, we would be bereft if we didn't say thank you and we didn't honor you. And Lord, even when things, the answers don't come out as we want, we want to thank you. And we know that there are still some, some people and circumstances we're praying for, and we ask, God, your, your help and your healing. But I pray, God, uh, that this is true remission forever for uh, Ryan. We give you thanks, Lord, for him, the fact that he does love you and he desires to serve you. And I pray, God, you'd fill him not only with health, but with your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you. So there are, um, we've got a mathematician here, so I'm going to ask her to do a little bit of math for us, okay? So, yeah, that's you, Christy. Okay. What I want to share with you is that there's, there's always more. There's, there's more, 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 more. There's, when, you know, God could have created one uh, sun and one planet, but he created more planets. We have a whole bunch of them, either eight or nine. It's uh, disputed as to how many planets we have in our particular solar system. Um, but in our universe alone, okay, are we ready, Christy? We need, we need your help here. 
as a mathematician. So there's uh, roughly one billion stars in our galaxy, the galaxy that we're in. Okay, are you with me there? But the average number of stars in the average galaxy is uh, close to um, uh, five billion stars. And, uh, and there are over 200 billion now. They thought just 20 years ago, before they came up with the telescopes that they came up with, they thought that there were about 100 billion galaxies. We're talking about galaxies, not stars now. But there are now, they, they say there are roughly 200 billion galaxies that average about 5 billion stars per galaxy. So we're going to come up with an answer, how many that is. And you're looking at me like, yeah, I want a number. It's up there. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, while she's finding that, and um, uh, it's gazillions. I don't know. Is that, a, is that a number? I don't think that's a real number. <laughs> but there are a lot. How many? A septillion. Okay. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you. In other words, when the Lord started making stars, he didn't make one or two or three. He just kept making them. Um, G.K. Chesterton said something interesting. He said, um, and I'm not going to quote it. It's, a, it's kind of a long quote. But he essentially said, you know, children, when you tell them a joke, you tell them a story or something, kids never get bored with whatever it is that they're interested in, right? So you read them the story, and what do they say? Read it again, again. You tell them a little, you do a peekaboo thing with the child, and they start laughing. And if they have the ability to speak, they say, again. If you tell them a joke, if you sing a song, I got to tell you, uh, there used to be some songs that my kids would have us sing, and they're still etched in my brain all these years later because they wanted to do them again. And uh, Chesterton says, um, God is very much like that. When he doesn't get bored, he doesn't get tired of things. When he creates something, he creates more of it. So when he made a billion daisies, it's because he, when he, you see these massive fields of, of flowers, etc., God doesn't get bored. He says, the older we get, the more set in our ways we are, and the more bored we get with something, and so we have to expand out and do something uh, maybe a little bit different because we're becoming old. And Chesterton says, of course, it's tongue-in-cheek, but he says, perhaps God is younger than we are. You know what he's saying. He's saying he just never, he's not saying, obviously, he's eternal. But the fact that he uh, continues to make, and he does that with everything. We have the same kind of thing, not only with stars in the galaxy, but, um, you know, he makes uh, thousands of different kinds of fish in the sea, tens of thousands. And we've had the privilege of, of snorkeling and scuba diving in places around the world where there's just it it just is mind-boggling. I've literally sat there with my mask on, and I have um, cried just at the beauty and the glory of that which God makes and enjoys, but very few people have even seen at certain depths. Are you with me? And God does it that way. Now God also made over three thousand species of snakes. He could have held back on that, ratcheted back down to maybe five or zero, but that's, that's another thing. 
But there's always more. When God creates, God creates more. And he continues to go. And, and he's created days, but then he's created days without end. And if the days could end, then we slide into eternity, and eternity has no end. In other words, there's always more. There's always more. Um, we, Marley and I, as I've said, we traveled around the world. And we, you know, we'd go places, just, just finite places that we would go. If you, I don't know if you've ever been to the Louvre. But uh, you go through that, boy, tell me, there's always more. If you go to the Louvre, we made the bad mistake the first time we went there to go and try and do it in one day. Well, it would take a month to be able to see everything that's there. The Smithsonian has a lot of stuff here in the United States. Uffizi and Duomo in uh, Florence, Italy. Those, uh, I like museums, and those things uh, have a ton. And in, in London, you have the British Museum of Natural History and the British Museum of of art and there's just you could stare at some of these paintings or some of these artifacts um, in the Louvre just for hours or I can on end and read the histories of those things and then you go to the next one and the next one and the next one there's it's kind of an endless supply and that's the finite nature those are the things that we can collect and put in a place and uh, but there's always more and though we've been to all these different countries and we've seen all these kinds of things, we understand that every time we go around the corner, go into a new town, there's something more. And that's the nature of the way God creates things. We should never get tired of that. His mercies are new every morning. Okay, thank you for the two people that knew the end of that. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. And the person who was saying that, um, Jeremiah, was saying it in the wake of the destruction. He, 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 there was nothing but rubble, no stone left on another one in Jerusalem. And yet he acknowledged the faithfulness of God because even in the darkest of times, there's a new blessing. And there's a new blessing could be found every morning. Why? Because there's always more. Remember, uh, when we were missionaries in the Philippines, and we've got some of our Filipino friends. Joy, it's so good to see you. Praise the Lord. She was a member of the congregation that I pastored for a number of years. But we um, uh, remember serving communion to a group of people once. And uh, this church that we'd planted is an area called, uh, it's in Quezon City, it's a place called Sikatuna. And we, we, we'd gathered, we didn't have a facility, and so we met outside, and we were we were outside, and there was a gate here and a building here. And every now and then, you know, we would, we'd gather together as a church. It wasn't a big church. Uh, maybe 100 people or something like that would gather together. And, and this one Sunday, I was, I was serving communion to the group that was there. And uh, I had finished serving communion to the people here. Sometimes people from the community would stand over by the gate, and they would listen. They didn't want to come in. You know, they, they weren't necessarily believers or whatever. And, and uh, as I was serving communion to the people, and I talked about the death of Christ, and I talked about his blood that was shed for us and his body that was broken. We just celebrated this last week, for those of you who are here. Um, and I'd finished serving everybody. There's a man standing on the other side of the fence, not wanting to join, but wanting to join. Are you with me? And uh, he asked he looked over and just spoke up in the, in the, as we were kind of concluding. He said, Merumbang sobra para Okay? Which translated as, is there more for me? Is there, is there any extra for me? 
And I, I said, there is. There's always more. But I said, you need to start the journey of faith. You need to receive Christ. And I said, would you do that? And I basically explained to him uh, what he needed to do. And he said he wanted to. Tears streaming down his face, gave his life to the Lord. And there was more. We even have a, a, a habit in the church when we serve communion. In uh, the Free Methodist Liturgy, it says, have all been served. I don't know how you've responded to that, but the question was literally, have all been served here? We don't want to neglect anybody, but the answer to that really is no. There are still people in the world that have not been served because there are still people that don't know Christ. So there's always more. There's more opportunity. There's more gift. There's more. Well, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture that describes this in a way, and we're going to take a look at it. It's in Ephesians chapter 3. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on our earth derives its name. And if you're not familiar with what he was doing, he was talking about the body of Christ and how there's a mystery associated with being who we are and where we are. And he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now you're starting to get the more idea out of his glorious riches. In other words, endless. The inability to be able to come to the end of his riches, you know, that he would endow us that way. And so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Now, that's an interesting statement. Let me stop there for a minute. He's saying, I'm, I'm praying that you have the ability to be able to grasp the entire height and width and breadth and depth of the love of Christ, which, by the way, surpasses knowledge. So good, at, good try. In other words, you'll always, if you're pursuing the Lord, you will understand his love more and more and more. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Anybody that has served the Lord. That you, the, the love that surpasses knowledge. Oh, let me stop there for a moment. Um, so love that, has the, that goes beyond our ability to know. Um, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 9, says uh, that you may have power or the ability to grasp the glorious and inexpressible joy in other words, he's saying joy has the potential of going beyond our ability to express verbally. So love has the, the love of God is, can be so excessive that we can never get to the end of describing it, right? And joy, if we're really being filled with the Spirit and living in Him, you can never get to the end of being able to express it. And then... The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says that we might be able to understand the peace that passes what? Uh, understanding. Love beyond the ability to know, peace that passes our ability to understand, and joy in the Lord that goes beyond our ability to express. In other words, what the apostles are saying is there's more. There's more. Don't ever think you can kind of get to the end of it. And so he goes on here, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That is powerful. I hope you understand that. And now is this marvelous benediction that says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, 
that's us, the body of Christ, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all the people said, amen. The God who is able to do immeasurably more than not just what we can ask, but what we can imagine. That's a statement that's saying there's more. There's more than what you can say. There's more than what you can request. There's more than what you can imagine. God has mapped out things that he wants to do that transcend our ability to understand and fully comprehend. But here's the problem. I've just talked about the glorious, inexhaustible supply of the Lord. Um, and the new blessings that are every day. Where most people are not comfortable with that. Certainly not expecting it. We like routine. We like rhythm. We like a specific kind of set of things. And we've got some, uh, we've got some hobbies or some habits or some things that we're locked into. We like a certain order in our day, etc. And so we kind of get in that type of thing. And some people, even if it's a real good thing, they don't want to venture out and try something new because, you know, they don't want to go to a new place because they don't understand. They don't want to experience a new thing because they might not be able to do it. Are you, are you with me? We are creatures of habit, okay? We like things as they are. Perhaps we are, in that sense, older than the child and we're older than God. We become old. And all the passages of Scripture here and all the explanations in Scripture are telling us there's more. There's more in a, in a whole host of ways, than, uh, more than what we could possibly imagine and what we could uh, understand and, and kind of receive uh, in our own thinking. Um, so this idea of being in, a, in kind of a, uh, a habit or pattern, uh, I have a very good friend of mine, his name is Larry Roberts, uh, he used to be part of our uh, church up at Timberview, and Larry and I have known each other for, golly, I don't know, 40 years or something like that, it's been a long time, 42 years, so... Um, uh, anyway, Larry, um, he's a creature of habit, and he wouldn't mind me saying that. Larry, if you're watching online, I love you, brother, but, um, but he's a creature of habit. He likes certain kinds of foods, goes into the restaurant, and he's got his little routine. He's, it's, it's so, in a sense, repetitive that I could always order for him. So one time I was saying this uh, when I was pastor at Timberview, and he was sitting in the front row because he was helping lead our worship services. And, uh, and as Larry was sitting there, I said, I was telling, not this particular sermon, but I was mentioning how we're kind of creatures of habit. And I said, I've got mine. And I shared what some of my, my daily rituals are and some of the things I enjoy and all that kind of thing. And, and I looked up at, at Larry and I said, for instance, Larry is a little bit like that. I said, I can order food for him uh, in multiple restaurants. And so I just started going through the restaurants. I could do his order for him. I said, in fact, if he's ever showing up late, I know what to order, and so I could always do it. So, you know, uh, so I, I, I mentioned one restaurant that he likes, uh, you know, eggplant parmigiana and, uh, on, at Olive Garden, and I went on the Santa Fe chicken salad and another place. And, I, and he starts laughing, you know, because he thinks it's really funny that I can't do this. And, uh, and I told him what he wants extra dressing with and what he likes to drink and the whole bit. And I said, we used to go to a place called the 1881. Anybody remember that? Yeah, he had trades there when he owned radio stations, and so kind of free lunch for us. And many times after s Sunday service, we would go up to the 1881, very nice, you know, restaurant uh, downtown. And, and um, 
And I said, and he would order one of two things there. And he looked up at me, and I remember him going, no, just one. <laughs> and I said, he would order either the steak Diane or he would order a Poleon Cru. And he looked at his wife, and he went, yeah, yeah, there's two. <laughs> he forgot that I knew it. But, you know, we've all kind of got our patterns and the kinds of things that we have. And we come with the idea that, first off, that our knowledge is kind of fixed. Our knowledge is not fixed. Whatever you know about God, there's more. I know the Lord. I'm amazed. When I got, came to know Christ and was saved and I you know, came into a relationship with him, I thought, okay, I got this now. No, not even close. Not even close. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and here's somebody who I would say the Apostle Paul knew the Lord pretty well. That was a joke, okay? <laughs> Apparently nobody got it. <clears throat> he says this in the third chapter of Philippians. He says, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. By the way, he'd done a lot of stuff, and, he's gonna, and he, he had pedigree. And that's what he's going to talk about. He says, circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, which was considered a good thing because he was dealing with the cult group that had started up that he later became part of because it wasn't a cult group. It was the service of, of Jesus Christ. And as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. In other words, if you would follow the 600 plus um, uh, elements of the law that uh, he was faultless into that. And this, this is what he says, though. So I could do all that stuff. That's in the routine of my life and the things I was committed to. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. They're surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. What is that? That is, I, I'm learning more and more, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And he says, I, I consider them rubbish that I may be, gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is uh, through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ. That's the beginning of the final uh, sentence that he gives. I want to know Christ. So he's talking about all this credits that he had in his life, and he's still coming to the place where he uses the present term, not I have known Christ, but I want to know Christ, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. To know the Lord, we never come to the end of it. And if you're not, in a sense, praying on a daily basis, if, you, if your prayer starts with, God, give me this and give me that, you're starting in the wrong place. It's, Lord, show me yourself. Speak to me. Help me to understand you and your will. Because if, if you just start with what you want to do and what you want, then you're starting with your will and you're starting with limited knowledge, limited understanding of his will. Are you with me? That's why we start 
by acknowledging the Lord and praising him because we understand there's more to know of him before we get to the point there's more to get from him. There's more to know the Lord about it, about him. This idea of um, is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine is because he is far beyond our ability to even fully understand or comprehend. I want to know Christ. And I, I hope... I hope that by the time we leave today, there are a few things that you pick up, and one of those things is um, in relationship to your knowledge of God, there's more. Don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. Merle, you've been a wonderful friend for a long time. You're, I consider you a godly man, wonderful friend, and somebody who loves and serves the Lord. There's still more for you, buddy. I mean, you're not done getting to know the Lord. And a lot of others, I could say the same thing. Um, so there's, there's more to know about the Lord. And I'll tell you what, our faith and our love, there's more of that. Our love and our faith can grow. There's more. You think you're done with loving and done with faith? You know, I got faith. Put a fork in it. I'm good. No, no, no. In fact, uh, it's kind of fascinating to me that the Apostle Paul uh, says this in, in Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and this, he'd already talked about uh, the, the Thessalonians uh, in 1 Thessalonians. In fact, I'm going to read that one first. Um, he, sa he says this to them in chapter 4. There's, a, there's about an eight-year gap at least between the writing of the first letter and the second letter. So you'll kind of follow a pattern here. He says, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. As in fact you are living, now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Now we're going to come back to that verse in a little bit. But he's saying, our prayer is just as you know the Lord, that's great. There's still more for you to do. There's still more. And we'll come back to that in a few moments. But in 2 Thessalonians he talks about specific qualities, character, characteristic qualities. And if you're writing this down, it's in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we always thank uh, God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. In other words, your faith is growing more and more. Your love is increasing. And I wrote you a long time ago and asked that the Lord would fill you with more, and he's still doing it. And you're fill, being filled with, with love to the place where you can love your enemy, where you can uh, be open and understand and be patient with understanding. When you don't understand, you can put faith on the Lord. I mentioned to you, many of you, that uh, a few weeks ago that our, we have a son that passed away. And, um, you know, people wondered, I guess if you just didn't have much faith, you would say the first time... There are marbles thrown on the floor in life, or Satan does something uh, to attack you, or, or something harmful happens by the evil that's in some other person that all of a sudden you can say, well, that's it. I give up on God because God didn't prevent this. That's very small faith. If you've come to know him, he will grow your faith to the place that you understand there's more to this story. There's more that God is up to. There's more that I can understand than what I would be able to understand with just kind of fleshly mind and understanding. The Lord provides more. Um, 
I, I find that the Lord starts doing stuff when we're open to him. He starts increasing our faith and he increases our love to where it gets to the place where it doesn't matter. It's not contingent upon the behaviors of other people, how we respond to them, but the love that is within us. Some people say, well, that person just aggravates me. Well, my response is that's, that's not that person's issue. You know, Marlene and I love worship. By the way, you have a fabulous worship leader. Uh, Tim does just a marvelous job. And, I, and, and Joel sing with him today and the team that's, that's always gathered up here. I'm very thankful for him. Well, Marlene and I, uh, when I served as a bishop, travel all over the world. And we're in different countries. And some of them, like I mentioned, I live in the Philippines. Very musical culture. And, uh, I mean, we could take a guitar in any one of my churches, just throw it up in the air, and somebody would catch it and be able to play it. it was, and everybody could sing angelically. It's, it's not like that in every country. <laughs> Trust me. And some of the countries, Ron, you've been to some of these, where they, what they try to make up for in lack of the ability to tune, they try and make up with volume. That just exacerbates the problem. <laughs> it just makes it worse. Um, but Marlene and I, you know, we would go different places, and, and uh, sometimes there's fabulous worship services, and I've spoken in churches. I've spoken as, before as many as 20,000 people in, uh, in one deal, and I've spoken in very small groups as well, as few as 10 or 5 people. And, uh, and so there's varying kinds of levels of uh, worship capability. One of our churches doesn't have anybody in the church. has 200 people. Nobody plays piano. Nobody plays guitar. Can you believe that? And, uh, and so what they, they said, what do we do? And they tried to do some real bad stuff. And I said, no, don't do bad stuff. You know, play one of those sing along with Mitch things where you just push the button and it has a little bounce of the ball. So the, the older ones know what I'm talking about, okay? It's a, it's a prompt and it's preset music and it goes through. I said, you know, let's not offend the ears of the new people and and even the Lord, let's, you know, by our feeble efforts. So, you know, I was encouraging them. By the way, their attendance went way up when they started doing that because they quit trying to do bad a cappella stuff. So we would try and help people with their worship stuff. And some of it was really bad. And some of it was great. And the, the real bad out-of-tune stuff or the volume was just deafening or something like that. Marlene and I would always kind of just wince. And we were in a place, I won't tell you where, but it was in Southern California, and, uh, and it was really bad. The lead singer, I don't know, never got above a D in, in vocal music, and, and, and it was just painful. And I looked over at Marlene, and Marlene has her hands raised up, and there are tears streaming down her face. And I see my wife when I see her like that, and she just said, uh, I just asked her afterwards, I said, man, alive, I was, that was hard for me to, to focus on the Lord. It was, like, it was like fingers on a chalkboard. And I said, what happened? She said, you know, I just said, the worship issue is not them, it's me. There's always a way to worship the Lord. And she said, I just said, God, you know, purify my mind and my heart and my ears so that I'm in, caught up in worship with you regardless of the output of the other person. You follow? Why? Because there's more. The issue is not I'm held back because of somebody else. No, no. The love and the faith that God has given me and the sense of understanding. So I want to know God more. There's more to know about him. 
And I want to be filled with what he has for me, and I want to be filled with it more and more and more. You with me? And then ultimately, I want to, there's always more for us to do. So there's, a, there's more for us to do, to serve. There's more ways for us to engage. And that's the third part of this, you know. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make what? Your paths straight. So if you're, if you're growing in the knowledge of the Lord and you're trusting in Him with all your heart, in other words, your faith is growing, and you don't lean on your own ability to understand, it's not like then you're set. No, He will do what? He'll make your path straight. There's a direction for you. You're still going. You're still serving. You're st- there's still something for you to do. There's, there's a way to serve. There are people that need our prayer. There are people that need for us to come alongside of them. And I can give you story after story after story in the Bible where people thought they were kind of done. You know, Moses became persona non grata after 40 years being kind of in Pharaoh's household and being a, a great guy. All of a sudden, Pharaoh wanted him dead. He was, he was the person that nobody wanted in the kingdom, and they were going to kill him. It tells us that. And so what did he do? He went out, and he was watching sheep out in the hillside. 40 years he was doing that, and he's 80 years old, and I'm sure he thinks he's done. Now there's more. And the Lord met him, called him, and burning bush, and all he was doing was, you know, staring at sheep and kicking rocks. And what did he do after that? God called him back into Egypt, and he kind of gave the, I'm doing the Reader's Digest condensed version, but he said, who, me? No, send somebody else. And then when God says, no, you, and he says, well, I don't speak very well, so send somebody else. You can uh, do that. And God said, no, you, I'm not, I'm not done with you yet. And there's story after story of people, and I've seen people that way in this world. Um, I led a man to the Lord who was in his 80s. He had lived a real horrible life, lived for himself. He was selfish. He was mean. Um, he was hard to get along with. He was an irascible kind of personality. And God changed his heart, and everybody around wanted to know what happened to him. And that man, in the about five years that the Lord gave him uh, left in his life, I'm venturing a guess he led about 100 people to faith in Christ. He did more in his last five years, and he told me that. He said, I so wish I would have come to know Christ. There's so much to do for him. And he led so many people to faith in Christ. It's great. There's always more. Um, There's an elderly gentleman in one of our churches in in, uh, the Seattle area, and I was talking to him one time. And he's always, every time I've been in their church, and it's a big church, um, uh, when I see him, he's always got a smile on his face. I mean, he just loves the Lord. He just loves the Lord. And uh, he loves everybody, and he greets people coming in. He doesn't have an official, he's not an official greeter or anything. He just can't help it. And he probably greets 500 people of the 2,000 or so that come in the doors of that place uh, every, every Sunday. And, uh, and I just asked what his story was. Uh, we were sitting down over having fried chicken over a kind of an after-service meal where some of the volunteers were invited to come, and I was going to speak a word of encouragement as the, the bishop and, and speak to them. So I got to sit by this guy, and I asked, 
And somebody says, so tell me your story. I mean, you're just so full of the joy of the Lord. He said, you know, it wasn't always that way. He said, I came to know the Lord when I was a teenager. But he said, by the time I hit about 30, uh, he said, I realized I was so consumed with my own life that I wasn't, I wasn't thanking God for the blessings that he was giving me. And he said, he kind of was saying, there's always more than what we recognize. And so he said, I decided I was going to thank the Lord 100 times every day. And I was 30 then. I said, how old are you now? He says, I think he said he's 86. So for 56 years, he said, I made a commitment that I was going to do that. So before, when I wake up, I, I usually get five or 10 before I even get out of bed. And then he said, I go to my knees and I pray. And that conjures up some things. There's another five or 10, 15 that come out. You know, thank, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for a restful night. Thank you for the air that I have to be able to breathe this morning. Thank you for the people that I love and that love me. And, and he just says, I just go through the day like that. And he said, it, it just, and I keep track. Can you imagine that? One, two, three, four, tally. One, two, three, four, tally. And he says, I keep track because I want to make sure I get to 100. And I said, what do you do if you don't get to 100? He says, oh, if I'm, at, say, 81. Then he says, I lay down at night. And he said, usually I'm overcome by the goodness of the Lord, so I just say 19 times, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. Are you with me? And the Lord has transformed him. Why? Because he realized there's more. There's more than what he was doing. There's more than what he was, that he was thinking he contribute. And as a result of that, having a better, a more active knowledge of who God is and receiving more and more from the Lord, faith and love, he had more to give. And there's always more to give. When I uh, retired from the bishopric, I, I remember, because, you know, I was a pastor for about 30 years, and then I did this other uh, thing, the denominational leadership, uh, for 12 years. And after about 41, 42 years in ministry, uh, I retired. And I remember um, at the final general conference that we were at, and we had thousands of free Methodists gathered together down in Orlando, Florida, and it was kind of the last thing and I know people from all over the world and so people were coming up and saying thank you for serving or you know one thing or another and some people were asking you know what I look forward to in the future or whatever but one person came up and kind of startled me and said so so um, how did they how did they word it so you're retiring from your calling was the, what they said I'm like oh no 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 I'm retiring from my job you can't retire from a calling and uh, the man and his wife looked at me and said, well, when do you retire from your calling? I said, when somebody sticks me in a six-foot hole and goes back to the church and has potato salad. <laughs> That's when, right? Why? Because there's always more. The Lord up, opens up opportunities for service. There's always more that we can do and more that we can extend. And there are farther places that we can reach. We can know more of the Lord. We can have more of what God has for us, love and faith in our life and experience his blessings every day, right? And we can always do more. Please don't be a person. Please don't be a person. I don't care how young or how old you are that says, I'm good. I think I've done enough. The moment you do that, the moment you say that, there's decay that's going on in your life because you're not open to what the Lord has for you. So if you're like me, you want to do more, you want to be more, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to close our service. And if, uh, if you're somebody that uh, 
that doesn't know the Lord, that means now you can just stand up with me if you want to. If you, if you can't, then go ahead and stay seated. But um, I'd like you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if, if you're a person that's never, ever started on the journey of more, I'm going to invite you, just while everybody's heads bowed, just raise your hand and say, I need, I need what God has for me. I need to know him, period. Okay, thank you. If you're a person who's experienced so much in the Lord, but you understand that this is just a step in the journey, but you want more, to know him better, as the Apostle Paul said, to experience more and more of his love and, and, uh, and faith that you can, we can grow in. If you're a person who wants to continue to serve him in some way, just raise your hand and say, I want, Lord, I want more. I want more of you. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks and praise for your goodness to us. And there is so much more that you have for all of us. And Lord, I don't know what that's going to look like in the lives of uh, the congregation here. But Lord, these are marvelous people who love you deeply and uh, I've gotten to know well. But Lord, just as you created all the stars in the sky, and it just seems like we're told now that it's an ever-expanding universe, that you just didn't stop and you haven't stopped. Lord, um, and you do stuff in our lives and you never get to the end of it. So Lord, together, we agree with the apostle and that benediction of saying now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Lord, I pray that you would uh, have that open for us and that we would not settle or become sedentary or become, in a sense, dulled to what you have for us. But our ears are open, our eyes are open, our heart is open and attentive to your will to do what it is you call of us. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, rather than a benediction, I want you to look at a person next to you and point at them and then say, there's more for you. Would you do that? God bless you.